If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, my friends, we're featured this week. Please leave a review in the Apple Podcasts app if you have a moment. And while you're there, subscribe to some of my best work. You'll know why in just a minute. Jane Rocker, music journalist, podcaster. Also, cocktail, bad bitch. Yes. What cocktail should our listeners have today to listen to hit different women? Oh, a mango margarita. <sighs> Shit. On the rocks. Salt rim. Go for it. Hello, friends. It's me, Mikey Carl. Welcome to Hit Different. I'm joined this week on this music culture podcast by none other than, say your name. Cersei from Molly. Say my name, say my name. And a special guest, Jane Rocker. Hey, how are you, Mikey? Great. Wow, you do a little bit, don't you? Writer for many, many publications, uh, podcaster now, member of LMO crew. Original LMO crew. Original LMO. All right. (laughs) Coming up on this episode, I'm going to be talking about Jack River's very organic post, which has led to some organic change. Mm -hmm. Well done, Jack River, getting more um, Australian artists played on, among other things, Coles Radio, but yeah, across the board. What else? I'm going to be talking about Prince's estate and this whole idea of, you know, what happens to an artist's legacy after they pass. Yes, and Jane Rock, Jane Rocker, we will talk to you about some of your best work and also some of my best work, which is the new podcast you are helming hey. with a bunch of rad artists like Manchinaire, Gordy, who else, who else, who else? Lady Hawk, Adelita. Hey. There we go. Alex Gow. Love it. Love it. Quality. Here's a bit of music for y'all. Here we are, friends, on Hit Different. Thanks for joining us. We made the flow case, the flow case. We did. Featured, baby. That's right. So we'll remember you when we're big and (laughs) a lot of money in podcasting. We all know that. Yeah, exactly. Bill Simmons can vouch for that. That is actually true. Uh, Become a paid subscriber for only $4 a month. Get ad-free episodes, weekly bonus episodes, and early access to other shows from Mushroom. Let's get into it. Friends, Jack River, Sydney artist, Holly Rankin. Decided to put up a little bit of a post on her Insta recently in her socials, basically calling for more Australian music to be played during the Olympics. It resonated. Mm-hmm. People got super, super into it. Uh, so it's like an open letter. How great would it be if you played all Australian music in your coverage of the Olympics? These are Australian moments that deserve Australian music. So since then, people got right into it. Coles Radio responded. Um, the Olympic people responded. <laughs> Channel 9 played all Oz music Friday the 30th of July in the morning. Channel 7 committed to increasing Oz music on Olympics coverage. I've seen the results. I've also got something I can speak to, some behind-the-scenes stuff shortly. Coles made statements to pedestrian that they'll be increasing the music on Coles Radio, which we'll talk about a bit as well. Bank Australia, this is the big one, publicly committed to changing their on-hold music. So they should, but why do we even have these conversations today yep. that we have to get artists using social media mm. to speak up about being represented. Yeah, it's a bit of a joke, isn't it? Yeah. Good thing that uh, it has happened, but of course it should have happened a long time ago. Lime Cordial, Baker Boy, Vera Blue, G-Flip and Alex the Astronaut all reshared it. Nice groundswell, bit of the Indiana Jones boulder momentum. <laughs> and here we are. We've arrived at a place where, yeah, Coles Radio playing heaps more Australian music. They don't. That doesn't get added to streams, which is interesting. However, APRA still pays a certain amount to, yeah. to the artist, and there's a few coal stores in in, uh, in Australia, so that is having a good effect. We we can't sort of deny that at all. Um, to go to your point though, Jane, 
why why is it taking so bloody long, you reckon? Well, oh God, I mean, that's a million dollar question. I think it really goes back to when you think about even ad campaigns or like I was reading an article that a guy has just written. He used to work at Leo Burnett and he was in media buying and creating ads. And his whole thing is there's young creatives making ads, for example, that want to use music by younger people or by Australian acts but they're not the people you've got to convince there's eight channels coming together that decide what's going to be like for example a Coles ad you know when they did the down down status quo right they're oh, using yeah. status quo yeah. down down presses it Jane's <laughs> actually holding a giant red hand in, in the studio it's weird but pointing it up yeah yeah well exactly yeah, yeah yeah but um and what was interesting about this article is that this guy goes on to say that it's the middle-aged men sitting there that it sh- that ultimately stop this stuff from happening. So I guess that's why you might hear a status quo song. But coming sure. back to why stores aren't playing Aussie music, I, I don't know who's making those decisions, but when you look at Coles Radio playlists, I had a look this morning and, you know, a few years ago the only two Aussie acts was Olivia Newton-John, Let's, you know, Physical and... Kylie Minogue's I Should Be So Lucky. The rest are all overseas <laughs> what actors. Right. Exactly. And that was from 2019. Mm. So, I, I mean, to come back to your question of why is this happening, I, I don't know. We've got some great talent here. Is it the tall poppy thing? Do we not realise what we've got in our own country? We need to promote it. Mm. I spoke to my brother, Daniel, who's a, a filmmaker, film editor, and he's working at the Olympics based in Melbourne and he's editing together these highlights package so he did Lupe Fiasco one for skating the other day mm-hmm. he also did one for the Matildas and Avalanche's track it was born to lose and then they lost so that's on you buddy um, <laughs> but I did ask him last night I said you know has this you know have emails come internally what's been happening been rumblings and he said there was a bit of chat between the other editors but they all naturally use a lot of Tamey Parler and Rolling Blackouts and other artists like that so they're already doing it which is really good which is cool obviously that, that's a very small part of, of Channel 7's coverage. And I think if they can really have a big focus on something they do for the AFL, actually, is um, they do the, the players' playlist. So this is like Saturday Night 40 or Friday Night 40, where they show yeah. the player an Aussie track, and down the bottom it says what who, who chose it, which AFL player chose yeah. it, and what the track is. That's, you know, people are so obsessed with AFL in this country. Yeah. We should be doing that for the Olympics as well, you know, athletes' playlist. Makes sense. So that's something to think about. and um, I mean, they could have won up this, right? There's a lot of sports that have just come in for the first time into the Olympics, like skateboarding, mm. like surfing. Let's mm-hmm. get the punk bands or the indie bands on those, you know, um, events that we're watching on TV. They could have yep. been one step ahead yep. and said, let's totally. approach this and get people in by using Australian music flat stick. Exactly. As Holly said, Jack River, one ad sync can change a young artist's life, impact their career for a good few years and give them financial stability. Why are you giving those opportunities away to people who may not need them or we have no connection to? So especially this feeling of incredible patriotism. This time four years ago, three years ago, uh, five years ago, actually, <laughs> um, a lot of there was a lot of internal sort of political fighting in the, in the Olympic team because we didn't have enough gold medals. We didn't, we weren't mm. doing so great, and it was all sort of falling to pieces, unfortunately. But right now, everyone is buzzing. You know, yeah. I watched beach volleyball last night. I've, and watch the ho- hockey last night. I don't usually watch yeah. them. And I'm there just jumping around like everyone else in Australia as well. So that feeling that we're all sort of galvanised at this moment is a perfect time to be giving these bands who haven't been out in tour for a long time yeah. um, much more support and sort of tangible support and um, financial. Make that bank support. Yeah, there's another thing Holly says. There's a wider conversation to be had about industry quotas for Australian businesses similar to how commercial radio 
was recommended to play a minimum of 25% Australian music in a 2019 parliamentary report. This is a massive opportunity for businesses to go, hey, over here, we're doing this. You know what? We're going to play 50%. We're going to play 75%. It ain't that hard. There is so much music. So back catalogs and current stuff coming out. And all it takes is a, you know, a cursory look at your Discover Weekly on Spotify mm-hmm. or maybe you get your new music. And actually just putting in and going, actually, this is really good. Like, you just, it takes one or two people in a company. Yeah, I mean, it takes one company to kind of make that jump. And then from there, mm. you're likely to see competitors start to get in on it because it's like, well, no, we're here too. It's the cool thing. We're yeah. here too. We're here too. Which is why I'm surprised that, I mean, I guess Woolworths and those other big conglomerates don't really have don't really have that sort of radio, you know, or music brand behind it maybe, but I'm surprised that we haven't seen another massive giant coming out and being like, oh, actually, no, 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 no. <laughs> We've used this song on one of our ads, so we we got in there first and yep. now here's how we're going to one-up the situation, yep. you know. Yep. I feel like it's, it's only going to take one, as we're seeing now, mm. to sort of kickstart everyone else to be like, okay, well, we need to be ahead of this because... You know, looks for everything. That's Even right. if it's not a genuine playlisting of Australian artists We're and coming from that. a genuine place, get them on the airwaves, you know. Start we don't care them. about your motives. <laughs> Just support Australian music. Not too much to ask. No. Next story coming up. We've got Sos. Give us a quick elevated pitch, Sos. Well, so Prince's estate, which is arguably one of the most lucrative <laughs> music estates there is, um, has been back in the news. Three of Prince's siblings have sold their their stakes uh, to a very big publishing company, and and now this conversation of you know what does this do to a legacy is is back on the table. Mm. Mm-hmm. Find hit different on Facebook. Like the page to get extra updates. We won't necessarily accept your friendship request, but you can have a crack. Prince. God damn. <laughs> rest in peace, Prince, the purple one. Yeah. Is he resting in peace? Uh, no. <laughs> judging by this, I don't think so. I mean, I mean. What's going on, Sos? I read an interesting report that basically uh, was talking about how this um, artist management and publishing company called Primary Wave have now acquired the Prince estate. So Tyka Nelson and two other siblings, um, Omar Bakar, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and Alfred Jackson um, have recently sold their stakes to Primary Wave. And this has included um, Prince's name, his likeness, uh, all, the, all the royalties from the masters, publishing rights. And for me, what stuck out the most was that it included the Paisley Park Studios, which I think for Prince fans is like... Mecca. The fucking Mecca, yeah. you know. Um, all the Vatican City. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big old deal. Amen. Um, now, obviously, we, we know that print, there was a new Prince record that came out, I think it was at the end of last month, the end of July or at the end of June. Uh, Welcome to America. Again, full of unreleased material. Took a listen to it again last night. It's actually not bad. There's some stuff on there that hits different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sit and, and resonate. And yeah. Exactly. So my question is, is like, I, I feel like you don't need to be a diehard Prince fan to, to sort of look at this situation and maybe feel a bit icky about it once a lot of money starts dominating conversations like this. Like, how how do we feel when 
you know, a musician's legacy is broken down into shares and percentages and stuff like that. It's a bit yuck. It's definitely the way of the world. It would have, idealistically speaking, would have been great if Prince or any other artist left a list of, yes, you can release totally. these. This, this would be great. When it came out a few but years ago. He didn't ago, have a will, did he? He had nothing oh, yeah, signed. He had will. nothing to go. No. Ugh. When the, all the stuff that came out of the vault, which he'd done as uh, an album with a few th- albums with Soul Asylum's Dave Perner, I think his name is. He'd done so much stuff with so many people. Mm. It was just all sitting there. I'm down with it. If, if it's like a trusted confidant yeah. who is like, I, I've produced for Prince for years, he'd be fine with, with releasing this. Then we're, then we've got a, you know, I think we've got a good reason to, to put some of his totally. stuff out. We do need to hear a lot of this stuff because it's, you know, he's a person who had very high quality control, mm. not all the way through his career. You know, he, he diverted, like look at David Bowie in the 80s. There's, 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 there's different parts of a person's sure. career where they're not always going to nail it. But as soon as you say shares and yeah. <laughs> all this kind of stuff, it, it's it's hard to sort of block that out when you were hearing the track. A good track will, will always cut through everything. It will transcend it. Are you a Prince fan, Jane? Not deeply, but, you know, total respect you do, for, for You're the him. only one in the here who has a purple mic, by the um, way. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. He's giving me the sign. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's but, actually you know, true. But um, that said, he's got three siblings who have sold the publishing rights, well, their shares of, but he's also got other brothers and sisters who've kept theirs. Mm. Yes. So there's not, also not everyone has done that. Mm-hmm. But I guess it comes back to this thing of, I mean, I don't know the status of those siblings that have decided to sell. They might need money. I have no mm. idea why. Um, but a lot of musicians that are alive are doing it too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the so other big thing, Steven you know. Nick's has just yep. done it. Yes. Dylan's Dylan done it. What a made guest. bank off of those deals. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, in terms of what that means, I guess if half of your family have sold it and the other half haven't, I guess that's their choice. It's really it, it, the only way to have avoided something like that is if Prince had organised himself prior totally. to dying. Mm. Totally. What can't be underrated is if you're a sibling of a very, very, very famous person, every single day of your life, when you get up, you're going to be reminded you're not, of you're it. You're not Mikey Carl, you're Daniel Carl's brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that's, you're reminded yeah. of it. And after a while, you'd be like, well, if I've been defined by this for so long, then you know what? I'm going to. Put mm-hmm. another wing on my house, or you know, I'm, I'm going to put, put my kids through college. Or that, that aspect, I completely understand, and this is probably the cleanest way to do it as well to go through primary wave. So yeah, I, I remember seeing it was Mel Gibson's brother was on Sale of the Century in like mid '80s. I was like, "You're Mel Gibson's brother," and everyone kept talking about. It. I was like, and "I was like, that's really cool," and I thought, "Oh, that's fucked." <laughs> like he always Especially, defined I mean. by sugar tits. <laughs> 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 Why did it even his sister, actually? Oh, God, I don't know. But, you know, you are kind of defined by yeah, that. Yeah. And so for the, for that reason, I think you, you they're within their rights to do it tastefully. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the media, it's, it's very hard to, to know what's tasteful yeah. and what's not when we, we're presented with, you know, some and things in share market kind of value. You know, it can work in the other in, in the other way as well where you've got estates of musicians just churning out material that was quite possibly shelved for a reason by that artist, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. family making money off of that. So it can work in in many different ways. I can't remember who it was. It might have been... Tupac. I do have some stories on that, but that'll be for another time. <laughs> um, but it might have been like a Miles Davis or a... Like not a Thelonious Monk that's coming up in my head for some reason, but a famous jazz musician. There was like a, a brand new box set of, you know, sh- unreleased live demos and stuff that was being released by their estate. 
And I said to my partner, who's a jazz musician, I'm like, oh, this could be cool. And he was just like, oh, I'm kind of not into it. And I'm like, really? And he he brought this up. He was just like, well, if you didn't release it at the time, there's probably a good reason for it, especially when those are musicians who, kind of like Prince, had a very high standard set for themselves. Like there's probably oodles of music that never made it to light because it wasn't up to their standard. This music gets released, gets penned and put by Pitchfork, by critics. Oh, it was, you know, it's not up to this standard it's like mm. well yes but it's making money from that estate so mm. i feel like it's it's always super interesting to see how this concept of unreleased music is handed handled by estates it can either be really good and beneficial or it could kind of just deflate like we're seeing the way mac miller's family is handling his music i feel like that's a great example of it being done well they've incorporated the fan community a lot each step of the way so it feels like everyone's really involved in the rollout of his final works even when we're hearing Mac Miller guest verses on other people's records it's it's being made clear that this isn't something where you know a rapper like Ty Dolla Sign has just taken a verse that he never worked with Mac Miller on mm. you know they're showing studio footage of them together working on it so it kind of uh, says to the fans that, you know what, this is okay because it's being done respectfully and tastefully. So, um, yeah, really interesting. So those really interesting. that are alive, that sell. So we've got a, I've got a list here. Yeah, yeah. Chrissy Hind, Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics, The Killers, Blondie, Barry Manilow and Stevie Nicks. So if they sell a majority of their publishing stakes while they're alive and still making music, does that mean anything they're going to make onward would never be something that they wouldn't release so it doesn't see the light of day? You know what I mean mm. on the flip side? Yep. What happens then? I know they've sold and and they don't – they well, they sell majority stakes, but does that change things in terms of what they would creatively put out? I don't know. That's just putting it it's out It's an there. interesting yeah. one. Yeah, I mean – at Katie Lang, she's come out recently and said, "I've lost the muse. You know, I'm not mm. making any more music because I just I can't I can't grasp at it. I think maybe it's a way for, for, to free them up a little bit, Jane, uh, and mm. to not have the shadow of their previous works. Like, okay, that's yeah. that chapter. I'm closing it, and I'm happy Done. with it. Yeah. And now here I go. And that could really imagine if Stevie, you know, oh god, imagine if Stevie Nicks came out with another like iconic." Edge of Seventeen, mm. Stevie Nicks song. It's not beyond the realms, you know. It's almost like if she lost everything and then just that vulnerability, which we'll talk about with Machinaire shortly, just that really just putting yourself out there and going, this is this is everything. You almost, I find it the hardest thing for all these people, Barry Manilow, everybody, <laughs> is just all the noise, all the people around you, all the hangers yeah. on after all these years would just be like, like Madonna, for, for instance, thought she was a comedian. Like she came out and she did some stand-up comedy. I've seen it. There's no one around her telling her, yeah. Madonna, you're not naturally funny. <laughs> no. Okay, You're a great artist. What's the unnecessary part of the body around the penis? The man. Yeah. Oh, it's not right. terrible. And she, the way she delivered it was slightly better than me. <laughs> but everyone's like, oh, can you play some songs? Yeah. <laughs> can you get on with it? Um, go back to Prince. This is very mm. – the fact that Welcome to America has come out, I can hear the chorus in my head. I've only heard the song twice. That's a good sign. Mm. The lyrics are really now. They're very uh, – Very pertinent. You know what I mean? Like he says, um, Welcome to America, where everything and nothing that Google says is hip. The sales tax for the following items will be raised immediately. Cigarettes, we will not raise your taxes. Read our lips. And the other great line – Welcome to America, where you can fail at your job, get fired, rehired, and get a $700 billion tip. That speaks to, very much speaks mm-hmm. to now in uh, corporate culture. So I think this song coming out 
with this news, it all works. It's all going forward. And yeah, it's it's not some demo that he would be, you know, absolutely his face would turn purple. Do you think that we'd be seeing like a like a Bohemian Rhapsody sort of rollout? Biopic, but for Prince. And Who Kanye's. is going to play? I don't even know. I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like, I don't. Our little friend Hearts could to do it. A little, she's a little friend. So let's try where be. Who who has been trying to get out of Prince's? Yeah, I was going to. If yeah, we're going to right. talk about getting away from yeah. being defined, yeah. but yeah, that'd be interesting. Who would play? It'd be. I reckon it'd have to be an unknown. It would have to be. And, and someone who comes along. Tom Cruise is the same height. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can Perfect see it now. Yeah. It's going to happen. There will yeah. be a Prince biopic yeah. for sure. I want to be chats about it. Very cool. Oh, that was, uh, I felt really awake and nourished by all that. And um, sorry, Madge, if you're listening. Big fan of your work. <laughs> Strike a pose. In a second, <laughs> Rocker, comma, Jane is going to tell us all about some of her best work and some of my best work on the podcast. Jane, thanks for joining us. Writer of many, 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 many bylines over the years. You smash out domain, e.g. Hit, hit me with some. Hit oh me God, with some, I mean, uh, where did it all begin? It was really the age, e.g. 1996. Fantastic. Great yeah. year. Yeah. And when, I, when it was probably 24. It was 24 pages 24 and we had pages. Bikini Kill on the cover. Oh, you know, sick. we had just all the bands, Henry Rollins covers, you know, Sonic Youth covers. It was just a great time, those sort of mid to late 90s. Fantastic. A lot happening in Melbourne music. Before we get into your new podcast, Some of My Best Work, yeah, tell us right now on this day, when you look back to that era, sort of starting out and getting established, what was the, the bit of music journalism that you wrote that you were like, fuck yeah? Look, for me, it's what inspired me to want to get to the music journalism bit, and that was... Aside from studying journalism at uni. Whereabouts? Um, so I was at Deakin. So that was early 90s and it was the time of Geelong's sort of grunge era, I guess, yeah, you magic know. Magic Dirt. Magic Dirt. We all sort of, that's where I met Adelita and, and Dean and everyone was all in that time. But it was, yeah, I mean, in terms of when I look back at my own work and, well, look, you always look back and think, gosh, you know, look how far I've come in nearly 30 years, right? Yep. Mm. You can't compare what you were writing then to now. But what is so beautiful when you reflect on that, like when it was stuff in Rolling Stone or Hot Metal or Loudmouth, all those iconic publications, um, is that it's really coming from a place of deep respect and love for mm. what you're writing about. Yeah. Mm. And I hope that music journalism is still that today. Definitely. Mm. Is there one piece that jumps out in your mind? You can see nice long way. I mean, I remember what it felt like to see a metal review in The Age. That was my, you know, that, that was very iconic. Do you remember who that was? Yeah, it was Entombed and My Dying Bride. Fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, it was at the time when they're, and music journalism is still very male-dominated, right? It's what inspired me to then do my honours thesis on women in music because I felt that aside from the Reichel movement of the time, there was not a lot going on for young women to really be encouraged into music journalism. Everything I read was mostly guys. Or yeah. that I, I didn't even realise they were written by guys, but I was just idolising all these male bylines and I just wanted to see an equivalent, you know. Um, I still don't think it's quite as balanced as it should be, but that's just an aside anyway. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think one of the keys to being any a good journalist and it's something of all three of us probably struggle with sometimes, but hopefully we're, we're good at it. I see it in you as being a very keen 
listener and very, yeah. very patient. Where does that come from, you reckon? Well, a keen listener. Look, I think that's just where there's no ego, there's a lot of listening, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So I come from a place where I genuinely want to know and hear what someone has to say. I guess if you're going to peel away from journalism and where I've come from, I mean, my parents run their own small menswear business in Melbourne and my dad has always and still is there 52 years later listening to people, hearing their stories. So I guess I probably learned the art of listening through seeing what they do. But, you know, in terms of applying it to my profession, well, I don't know. It's just there. It's what I do. It's what I do. It can lead you to getting the story also, yeah. can't it, right? I'll ask both of you, what has it been your most uh, arduous listen? Mine, Lisa Gerard. Oh, yeah. She's, she's She Deck is amazing. Deck and Dance, mm. Lisa Gerard, is, mm. you know, Gladiator soundtrack. Amazing, that yeah. voice, you could yeah. just level a, level a building. Uh, and I sat down to interview her and I got into her tractor beam in a 25-minute sentence and she was just describing going to the, you know, and I was recording this. And then I was, all of a sudden I was in a supermarket and I was looking at the cereal and I was like, why am I looking at this? And she just kept going. And Marty Jones, he's from Rhythms Magazine yeah. and, and Impress before I went that day, I said, I'm going to interview Lisa Gerard. And he tipped, he goes, never, ever, bloody ever. And that's all he said. <laughs> so obviously you've done it before. Yeah. Damn. Vet, like a person, if, if I ever interviewed her, her again, I reckon I'd be, I'm more mature now. I'd be out of taken on board to be able to just get the you know mm. the gold from it and sort of ex- yeah, extract the gems but at the same time a very very difficult interview to stay engaged yes. and, and just stay looking Probably. i remember looking at christina new one time and then i looked at at the um she was having intense divorce at the time i think and i looked at the table and looked back at her and then i looked over her shoulder and she looked over her shoulder like what, what, what? oh no 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 i'm just trying to be here I for you babe diana kral diana kral right oh god really yeah just really Intense, mm. ever aware of the Elvis Costello thing. Right. You know, and she was just really difficult, not giving another female anything. Really? And it's just, you can't That's go, interesting. What has happened between me and her mm. and all the people that make it happen that hasn't been communicated? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, you know, what makes you not want to get up and have a chat about your bloody music? Yeah. Like, I don't know. But anyway, that was the, the hostility is really hard. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, others have been actors, but you, yeah. Tell us another one and suppose with Rudy. All right, but is this going on? You don't have to say a name. All right. Well, there was just an, and I only say this now because you know this actor's father. Smell like schmau. Yeah. Um, just hectic. On the other hand, there's those that want to talk too much and that just yeah. do your head in. Please just tell and us. You're like, Listen, give us, give us the name. It'd be fun. Can't no, because okay, I can't. Okay. I can't. Consent. Just yeah, I better not. But you know, talk too much. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, there, there have definitely been some moments where, again, they've it's just a task to sit there and also to sit there and, and remain neutral because I feel like that's a big part of the job as well. Oh, when you're listening, it's just to be like, okay, I'm going to absorb, I'm mm. going to be a sponge. Um, and then there are other times where it's like you've rocked up prepared and you expect the same idiom of like just the tiniest bit of respect exactly um i remember big day out tour 2012 2013 jeff the brotherhood Mm -hmm. rocked up 20 minutes late to the interview in the media area this is in adelaide hung over from melbourne which is you know like whatever we deal with it Mm. 
One of them was asleep the whole time Mm -hmm. on this couch opposite me. The other one refused to look at me and was answering my questions but was on the phone the whole time. And I was just like, my dudes, what are we doing? What are we doing? And that was a 20-minute situation Mm -hmm. where he just wanted to talk about recording and I'm like, this is great, but you've got to like you gotta give me something. Mm. Just give me anything. Um so that was really hard to stay engaged with. Um there was another it was an actor situation. Fuck it. Ayo <laughs> uh, doing some interviews on a supernova or an Oz Comic Con tour. Um Kevin Sorbo. You know him from Her- like Hercules from the nineties? Google's Kevin Sorbo. You'd know him if you'd see him. Google Google him now. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, I know this face. Yeah. Um, did like a Noz Comic Con tour. Used to be a dreamboat. Used to be a dreamboat. Yeah, and, and you can um, tell. Is a massive, is a massive Republican, massive, <laughs> like very anti-Hillary, very like anti-abortion, like everything under the sun. I realized this two minutes before walking into this interview only because um, another writer friend of mine had just come out and he looked just stone-faced. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, what's happened? And he's just like, you're not going to have fun in there. And I was like... Oh, at least you got prepared. Great. Because generally if you if you get someone who's like that, their publicist or their manager will brief you <laughs> being like, oh, yeah. you know, avoid these topics. So I get in there and it's half an hour of, yeah, severely anti-Hillary, pro, uh, yeah, anti-abortion rhetoric, uh, trying to talk to me about my choices over my body and as a Woo-hoo, female Kevin. writer... X, Y, Z, and I was just like, I had to sit there and take it because I was in a room full of other people as well, and I was just like, I'm not going to be taken, I'm not going to let this person who I don't know take me out of my character and then make me look like the unprofessional one. But again, those sorts of experience, I feel like, kind of galvanise those qualities that we have as writers, where it's just like, okay, we need to just get through it (laughs) and then come out of it. And it, it toughens us up. Totally. It, you know. Kevin Sorbo, tweet from uh, Org3. Mask wearing was likely the greatest failed go. social experiment of our lifetime. There you go. Yet its own failure means it continues to be forced down our throats, ellipses or noses. Oh, he went there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he seems like a, a prize knob and a chore of a human. Nicolas Cage, though, who you would expect to be batshit insane, is batshit insane, but very lovely. Yeah, cool. Yeah. This is good. We could talk about this all day. Yeah. I like it. Juicy. All right. Hey, we should talk about something else. Jane, some of my best work. You've done this yes. incredible podcast series. Amazing podcast. I, I listened to Mount Jeanette today. I listened to Gordy the other night. Gordy was saying some really great things about how this band, the band were nervous as all hell to, to record with Gordy because they realized how much he'd put in, you know, this is very, very vulnerable and also just pouring her heart out. Mm. Before we get into Mansion here and, and everything else, tell us about that, that Gordy chat. Well, Gordy is fantastic and um, – I guess, look, when it comes to all those that I've interviewed for this first season, so there's seven acts, they've had to really hone in on a track that they consider their best work to date. So that's our point of difference with the podcast where they delve into Mm. just really nitpicking where they were, how the song made them feel, how it sort of contributed to what they continue to do. I think, if anything... Bands aren't touring now, so they're really in a reflective mode. I mean, mm. they're able to tour, but everything is so uncertain. Mm. Your, your tour's on, your tour's off, your tour's on, your tour's off. So you definitely can't go overseas and so on and so forth. So doing something like this really gives them a chance to sort of go back and 
and assess where they've been and where they want to go next. I guess with Gordy and Volcanic, I just love the deep, brutal honesty that you get, A, in a podcast Mm. because you're talking and you're listening and not interrupting and you're not writing anything. It's really them just bearing all. It's Mm. like an audio diary, isn't it? So she's just a super talented woman who was also continuing to work as a doctor and help administer jabs while she's, you know, back in Australia. I think she was going to try and live in in LA, but then all that fell through and instead bought a house with her partner, Alex. Alex. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think there's just something that you get by hearing um, her speak about her her songwriting journey and, and how that song came about that that you just don't really get anywhere else. This is a great forum for them to just mm. dive into their world a bit deeper. It's very much two-way therapy too when you're interviewing and also when you're podcasting. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, absolutely. So it's really good therapy for the artist because they just get to really go deep into something and explain it beyond what they would expect to explain or it even brings back memories um, of certain things. If I can even just fast forward to someone that's going to run, you know, in a few weeks' Absolutely. time. But, but that's Adelita. What a scoop. Scoop, yeah. scoop, scoop. So, yeah, it's Adelita I and she her. chose Rust. And, you know, <gasps> it's Just such a, a, an awesome song. Yeah. But what I love about that, and look, I love everyone that I've interviewed, but I guess when I get to sit with someone that I've known from such a long way yeah. ago, you know, time ago, I should say, not long way ago, doesn't make sense. Um, Detroit. <laughs> Detroit Rock City, you know. Um, it's mm. It just takes me – I almost can smell that time, you know, the sticky yeah. carpet of the it's bar. It's tangible club almost, yeah. 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 But it to see where she sort of come from to then arriving at her career as a solo artist, and we're very looking forward to her next album coming out. Good but, time. yeah, I think the thing with Rust is she takes us in a world of a relationship mm. with someone else that mm. just was on, off, on, off, and – the song just mm. wow you know for someone to actually explain to you how personal a song is that's pretty special yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um not everyone is willing to do that mm. and as a songwriter like she leaves everything on record as mm. well like she's already so intimate in how she tells her stories mm. so i'm really interested to yeah to, to kind of hear her go even deeper and I, f- I feel like that's also testament to how great you are um as somebody who can construct a space for musicians and artists who feel safe enough to be like, okay, I'm going to potentially strip some more back on myself yeah. and, and discover yeah. or maybe even confront some things that they yeah. not consciously were doing at the time. I feel like that's a great talent to have. Yeah, well, thank you. And, look, I think it really is about making the person feel comfortable yeah. with you and not aware that a mic is there because it's it's a conversation and yes it's on record and but there's something just so beautiful about just opening up and letting things go too right yep. and and just sharing that journey with someone and i think a lot of their fans would be mega keen absolutely to know about it totally mm. when you see magic don't live too the catharsis mm-hmm. is so and i love the fact that she hasn't lost any of the grunt no, no. You know, adelaide is like this is a golden place i think 2 years ago she just I'm there with my mates and Zanro made this great point when you're 18, 19, even earlier music affects you more because it's chemical because you're growing so everything is hitting you different and it's actually like you know it's changing you as a a person which Mm. you know not to the same extent these days it's just 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 a a cold hard fact so for you to be able to get her to to give us all of this and to give us you know and I mean I've never 
I've never had a conversation without a leader without knowing that Dean is in the room still. Yeah, sure, you that's know? right. And Dean plays Always. a big part in her even going down that solo path because mm. he was the one that said you should really do this. Sure. You should do it. And mm. so we address that and talk about that as well mm. in the podcast. Are you mus- yeah. Can you play any instruments? No. You make a mean cocktail though. <laughs> I can make cocktails. Oh, I can oh, tear a I house found a kindred with- freaking spirit. <laughs> the amount of times people will be like, oh, you're a music journalist, so what do you play? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. No. Don't play but can certainly make the drinks to keep Hell you playing yeah. the tunes. Lady Hawk was a great chat. We had it. She's also great. I mean, I remember that song Magic when it came out. Mm. And, you know, she had done the thing. So she's from New Zealand, but then came to live in Sydney. And so, okay, I don't want to give away too much, but okay, I'm going to give away some stuff. Some Something to look forward to is that, you know, she is, um, she's gay. And the whole time that she was launching her career, mm. her labels kept telling her, don't let on that you're anything but straight. Yeah. And so hearing her mm. share that journey and and this song, Magic, and, you know, she said, like, I was crushing on girls but I could never show anything. And, and that is not even that long ago. No. And you kind of go, wow, how much has changed? I think it's great that younger generations are talking and things are out there now. Yeah. But it's so sad that I look back from the 90s to even when Lady Hawk was, you know, had, had written that song. Um, which isn't even that long ago, um, how repressed it was. So for her to sort of delve deep and open up about writing that song comes a lot of pain as well yep. to get out of the other side and, yeah. But anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful song. Mm. It's sort of. Yeah, the fact that that was only, what, 2008? That's right, yeah. not Come that on. long ago. It's a blink. Yeah. Kelly from Block Party in 2003, even, you know, he was being told by one, one member of his band, maybe two members of his band, don't let on be gay. That's really? Even you know. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep it yeah. not in your pants. Keep <laughs> keep yeah. it down, kind of thing. Yeah. And he was very unhappy about that, and it's it's naive to think that it, oh, it's going to be a, a gay artist now. Like that's how it's yeah. going to be. At the same time, you know, we can't really speak for what the public, how the public will, will react to that sure. kind of thing. Which is yeah, that's a very frustrating yeah. thing though. Yeah. For, um, mm. I remember interviewing Peaches, and when she just turned forty, she's like, 40 is the new twenty." And she told about Lady Hawk. She's like, she's like. Great songwriter, excellent guitarist, amazing human. It's just like such a cool thing for Peaches. Do you think there's even a Peaches nod in the Mm. episode because she talks about, I think, Peaches got her over in her studio and they recorded stuff? Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff that went on. But anyway, very exciting. She's like part of a freaking power couple. Like her wife is, I'm pretty sure they're married. They've had a baby. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were married or not, but her partner is incredible. Filmmaker. Madeline Sami. Yeah. Actress. Actress, yeah, yeah, filmmaker, kind of Taika Waititi protege, like yep. incredible, incredible. Yeah. Matt Chanel, we'll talk about one more. Uh, Matt Chanel, the song Easier, which is a beautiful uh, song. It's one of those things like people that aren't, aren't quote unquote Matt Chanel fans, mm. you, it's impossible not to react to that song and have a visceral kind of like, oh, this is, this is this is moving me. It's used really well as well in the podcast. Like it builds up. And then the, the placement is just is, is spot on. Uh, yeah, tell us about that the discussions with them to, to ensure that, you know, instead of just having a very light conversation, they went straight to yeah. talking about the vulnerability of making music together when they barely knew each other. Yeah, so this is the thing. Often as a print writer, your worst nightmare is interviewing two or three members and trying to get all their voices <laughs> in the one story. Yep. But the great thing about a podcast is when there's two, it actually keeps things really open and they bounce off each other and then the memories just keep yeah. on being they told. They can trigger stuff. So, yeah, you're less censored in a sense. And I found that with the two guys, 
chatting to me um, about that song and, and the memory of making it. I think what's so beautiful about Easy is that it sounds familiar. It's that beautiful nostalgia pop, you know. Mm. There's something about it that, I mean, you know, I'm a lot older than those guys, but I it takes me right back to being at that age. It's something very sentimental about it. That, but in terms of what it brings out for the podcast, having both of them sort of banter with each other and chat just shows you here are two guys, you know, well, three, but two for the sense of the purpose of this, that really just started a band in their youth and and have been on that very you know, early formative journey together that led them to this song, which they consider some of their best work. Threw something up on yeah. SoundCloud and all of a sudden they had a bit of heat and like, you need to make more of this. And they were talking about sitting, you know, three three guys, three young guys sitting in the lounge room, getting vulnerable with their feelings when they didn't really know each other. No, that's They sort of said, you know, something barely even happens now. And Easy is all based around the scene in Lost in Translation with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson on the bed together kind of an awkwardish, beautiful, serene. There's yeah. so many things swirling around that. And I think it was it you were telling us, one of us is saying in the podcast, one of one of you guys is saying in the podcast, that um, at the time Bill Murray and Scarlett weren't, weren't getting along That's so right. well. They weren't talking. So that is <laughs> even more bizarre when you listen to the song and then watch or Great actors. Watch that, that movie. Yeah. This, I think it creates another frisson as well that you get to see in, in that film. And you never see them smooch, do you? I think that's the, the power of it. So. I don't think no, so. No, he, he whispers yeah. something in her ear. And yeah. And, in, and in, you know, we we'll never so, know what that is and it's so great. And, you know, coming back to the comparison of, of being inspired by Lost in Translation, it's that thing of, well, they don't kiss. I hope they don't kiss. But I'm pretty sure they definitely don't kiss. Don't. But a song like Easier is, it's like the kiss is about to happen too, yeah. but it doesn't happen. Yeah. It's all this crescendo and tension, but yeah. it just sort of doesn't let you have it all. Yep. Yeah. Mm. It's Showbiz, leave them wanting more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ka-ching. Yeah. Love it. Very good, Jane Rocker. Thanks for coming to uh, this illustrious multi-million dollar studio. Uh, <laughs> will you want to hang around and do a bonus episode of Hit Different? Sure. Let's Hell get yeah. it, let's get it, let's get it. Subscribe. Thanks. Subscribe. Subscribe or die, it says yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so look. So we'll take it back like to that bit of, bit of into. <laughs> Subscribe or die, <laughs> Stephen Cross. Stephen Walker even. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Thanks, guys. See you next week. We had Jane Rocker, Sos, an idiot boy. Thank you. (laughs)